Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, I just want to let you know about a couple things that I think that you'll love. If you enjoy the Business and Leadership Podcast, you will most likely enjoy the Sunday Six. The Sunday Six is a Sunday newsletter that I send out every week, and it includes six interesting things that you can read in under six minutes. You can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to jaredgrabiel.com. Um, of course, if you don't enjoy it, you can always unsubscribe, but I always recommend checking it out. And then two other resources, if you're really into business, leadership, self-help, self-growth, uh, check out the Self-Help Book, which is a book that I published January 17th of this year, and the Self-Help Journal, which is a great practical guide to self-awareness, which is arguably one of the greatest tools of leadership in today's world. Let's dive into today's show. This is the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Grabeel. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. On today's episode, I have Greg Connolly. Greg is the founder and CEO of Trifecta. Trifecta is the nation's largest organic meal delivery service with over $100 million in annual revenue and a dead simple mission to get America back in shape. With Greg's leadership, Trifecta is one of the fastest growing U.S. startups. He's established partnerships with premier global sports leagues and organizations, including the UFC, PGA Tour, Team USA Weightlifting, the CrossFit Games, and Mr. Olympia. And to date, Trifecta has served over 200,000 Americans. Greg, thanks for being on the show today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jared. Appreciate it. Likewise, man, I'm really excited to dive into this. You know how passionate I am about this field, right? Um, whether it's fitness or nutrition or both, and you're doing a great job, I would say, of combining the two. Um, I read, you know, one of your statements recently, uh, or maybe a couple of years ago. You said, you know, you're trying to make healthy eating cool, um, mm-hmm. and that was a mission of mine for for some time. And you know a little bit about that, so I'm excited to learn uh, how you're doing it on an ex- exponential. Uh, pace or rate, I guess you could say. Um, so Greg, the first question I like to ask everybody, and it's kind of open-ended, so I'll tie it in. If you were to tell your story of how you got to where you are today in two to three minutes, what would that story be? Oh, two to three minutes. That, that's going to be a tough one. But uh, uh, Multi-time entrepreneur. I, I'm like a, a Gary Vee style person where I was, you know, mowing lawns and, you know, selling pancake breakfast tickets in the Boy Scouts and, you know, that type of stuff ever since I was a kid. So I started my first startup in college. Uh, It was like a boutique web design firm around the turn of the millennium when we were telling people, hey, forget the yellow pages, this new thing, the internet is going to be huge. Uh, And that led to me becoming a a software entrepreneur. And I I had some success in the software as a service space in in downtown San Francisco, um, you know, about an hour up the road from us here in Sacramento. Uh, And having some success as an entrepreneur really made me look at, okay, what's the next thing? I've got a lot of CEO buddies that, you know, they'll make 10, 20, 50, 100 million dollars. And then they play golf for the rest of their lives or lay on a beach, uh, you, you know, and drink Mai Tais. And that didn't really inspire me. I, I love golfing and laying on beaches with the the best of them, but I wanted to have a bigger vision for my life. And the entrepreneurs that really inspired me above and beyond that were people like Elon Musk, where, you know, he made an, an unbelievable amount of money, you know, 180 million with uh, the PayPal slash X.com sale to, uh, eBay, and he went on and rolled the die to, uh, you know, to to continue to help humankind. That was really his big mission, uh, you know. And he he was kind enough to tackle electric cars and electric houses and getting us to be a two planet species on Mars all by himself. So, one of the next biggest problems we face as the human species uh, that you know you're obviously intimately familiar with from your your TED talks and, and a lot of the the work you do discussing nutrition uh, is the the obesity epidemic. There are a lot of names for it. The chronic disease crisis is what uh, physicians like my wife call it. Um, but it was something that I was pers- you know was personally very passionate about. Just as an individual, I'd been working out for years. Loved CrossFit, uh, you know, Olympic weightlifting, a lot of the the health and fitness ecosystem stuff, and really wanted to spend the rest of my life trying to tackle a, a major problem for humankind. And 
my wife being an ER physician, she sees people kind of at the the end of the road for the obesity epidemic, you know, and, and some of the stories like break your heart, it'll be a, a, a six-year-old who's type two diabetic getting their foot amputated because it's necrotic, you know, like that's not the six-year-old's fault. We've just right. created a society that uh, is, is saturated with McDonald's and Coca-Cola and, and, you know, promotes eating in excess really across the board. So we said, Hey, let's, turn back the clock to like the fifties and sixties when we had, you know, 5% obesity in the United States. Uh, and, and like you said, with our company mission, get America back into shape and let's, let's not do it by educating people. Let's take direct action. Like how can we make healthy eating cool and sexy and how can we be more convenient than the drive-through? You know, we, we ship the food fully cooked, directly to your house. You don't even have to get in your car. You don't have to wait for 45 minutes with DoorDash. It's already there waiting for you in your refrigerator. So, so that I'm probably over my three minutes here, but that was the, uh, you know, the, the, the impetus behind me picking a, a business that was like a social impact business. And, you know, we're really excited to be able to do well financially, obviously, by by doing good for people. That's what allows us to take on McDonald's and Coca-Cola uh, is us scaling to become a multi, you know, multi-billion dollar organization. Right. And so the, you know, in that particular story, you mentioned kind of your early stage entrepreneurial journey, entrepreneurial journey, maybe around 20 years old. And I know you started uh, Trifecta six to seven years ago. Um mm-hmm. So there's maybe a 15 year gap in there, right? Mm-hmm. 10, yep. 15 year gap. Um, let's talk about that gap, right? Where, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to college about an hour and a half north of here at, at uh, Chico State. It's a you know kind of popular business state school. I I majored in uh, business and entrepreneurship, uh, you know, with a, a double minor in entrepreneurship and management, uh, and you know. I think I, we, we, buddies of mine that went to uh, Chico State, we, we joke that it's the, the Harvard of the West, which is actually Stanford, not Chico State. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a great school to really kind of get my feet wet in the business world. And, you know, they do actually have a pretty incredible business school with a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, learned a ton. And that led to me spending about 10 years in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and that was largely me going, okay, how can I raise venture capital, you know, scale a business quickly and and make a lot of money. And, you know, once you do that, uh, I, I had a nice house in the Oakland Hills, you know, fancy supercars. And you're kind of like, okay, what is the meaning of life? Now that I got the stuff that I thought I really needed, uh, you know, at that point I was like, okay, what really makes me feel good is, is actually helping people. Uh, and that's that's when I kind of went back to the drawing board, did an immense amount of reading. I must have read 13, 1400 books on, you know, everything from business, finance, operations, personal development, you know, et cetera. And that that led me to uh, really getting inspired by entrepreneurs. You know, like I said, like Elon Musk or, you know, I know there's a lot of social media controversy around him, but, you know, people like Bill Gates as well. I mean, he's given away, you know. $30 billion to fight things like malaria and all kinds of crazy stuff where I didn't even know the extent of everything Bill Gates has done. But, you know, those type of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, agree with them or not, they're trying to have a, a very big, massive, positive impact on the human species. And, you know, when you zoom out on your life, which after you get money, you kind of do that, Um you can, you come to that conclusion. You're like, okay, I'm either going to get on, get drunk on a beach for the rest of my life, which yeah, that, that's fun for like six months. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I want to actually do something. Uh, and I was still young and I, I really wanted to, you know, directly help people so that uh, the healthcare system wasn't filled with all these sad stories that my wife hears, you know, day in and day out. And so I know that you've had five, you're on your fifth business right now. Mm-hmm. And the first one was the the software company. Um, I know that you sold two, and two were uh, failures, or maybe mm-hmm. lessons, right? Um, what were those other businesses? So I, I started with the web design firm was a, a company called Cyber Division Web Design that I started my my 
I guess my end of freshman, beginning of sophomore year in college. Uh, then from there, I, I went, I was part of the founding team at a company called Smart Turn that was like a warehouse management software company. So we managed distribution supply chain for other businesses through a, a SaaS platform. Uh, then I went on to found a, a drink company called Amara. I've still got still got one of them back here for anybody seeing the uh, uh, you know the visual stuff. And yeah. we we partnered with the Paleo Diet, and that was kind of my first attempt to really tackle the obesity epidemic. Was to go after sugary drinks. Uh, that led to so Smart Turn. We ended up selling uh, Cyber Division. I, I closed after I left college and went into the kind of corporate world. Um, then Amara, we ended up closing when I launched Trifecta and part of the way through the journey with Amara, uh, I was in the CrossFit space and I launched a, a blog called Nutrition Wad, you know, Wad being workout of the day, uh, and ended up selling that to a, a former box owner who, you know, I believe continues to run it to this day. Um, and then the fifth one being Trifecta today. Awesome. And yeah. it's super interesting how, uh, you know, for people that, don't know a lot about running or, or owning a meal prep company. I mean, you're a, you're a restaurant on wheels or with, with wings. Um, and you, it's a largely logistic company. Um, mm -hmm. and so you learned a lot. I mean, you, one of your early businesses was, you know, operating a software company around logistics, right. Or around, uh, yes. Yeah. That, that gave us a lot of advantages early on as we, we, strategically we we when we launched we started right out of the gate shipping to all 50 states which as you can imagine getting a box from our production kitchen is in los angeles and our headquarters is in sacramento uh, but we launched the business when i still lived in los angeles uh, full time and getting a box from los angeles to hawaii or to alaska or to manhattan or miami is expensive um, so we we had to develop different ways for us to be able to logistically get the food to people fresh because we we don't freeze the food. It's literally fresh food that's vacuum sealed, which is a whole nightmare supply chain problem by itself uh, in a time effective way, you know, usually less than 48 hours because uh, that's how long we can keep it, you know, refrigerated inside of a case. Uh, and do it cost effectively as well. So yes, logistics was a huge piece of it. And now, you know, fast forward a little over five years into the business, we've got 90 people working in the the building I'm in in Sacramento and about 600 people in our, our kitchen down in Anaheim. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a giant orchestra of logistics with UPS, FedEx, GSO, uh, you know, FTL and LTL carriers, uh, all kinds of different stuff. And we're now in the process of setting up uh, multiple facilities and distribution centers throughout the United States so we can get closer to being Amazon Prime. You know, it, it, I, I joke that Jeff Bezos ruined it for the rest of us. Uh, you know, people want food in two days after they ordered it. So, you know, we've, we've got to be closer to the customers so we can cook food and get it to them faster. Set up some really high expectations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, when we're very big, uh, uh, it'll be easier for us to hit the Amazon level expectations. Right. Um, and you mentioned uh, 600 employees in Sacramento, 90 where you're at, or I think vice versa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I read, I think in 2019, you had uh, 74 employees, um, maybe, maybe not in total, but that was just a part of the article. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was Sacramento Business Journal, and they were talking about Justin in Sacramento. Yeah, so so yeah, they they try and tout that we've got our our flagship headquarters right here in in downtown Sacramento. Yeah, um, but I did I do know that, uh, or based off some of the stuff that I've read in 2019, um, you guys did around 41 million, and mm -hmm. based off what I know now, you grossed over 100 million last year. I could be wrong, um, but if those numbers are accurate, then that's almost a two and a half x in the business in, in two short years, which is really unheard of. Um, one, is that, is that relatively accurate? And two, how'd you do it? Um, God, shitload of hard work. <laughs> the, uh, yes. Yeah, so we, we did, uh, 41. So I'll, I'll just give you our revenue since it's an entrepreneur, you know, show, uh, first five months, which was July, uh, 2015 through the end of the year, we did about 250,000 in revenue, the next year we did about 2.6 million following year 6 million then 14 million 
then 41 million. Then last year we did about 77 million. And this year we'll do, you know, somewhere around 120 million. So in January, we broke past the, the 100 million in ARR annual run rate uh, of this year. And, and yeah, we're just, you know, continuing to scale up at this point as, as the, the organization goes, grows. So we've sold about little across the years, we've sold about $200 million worth of, of food to date. And, you know, obviously a lot of that is on the back end as, as we've continued to scale. That is wild. Um, and something I'm sure that you're, you're proud of yourself, but just something to, you know, cause when you're, you're, I, I call this the good fight, right? Like just short of being in ministry, uh, trying to get people to change <laughs> the way they eat, I think is one of the greatest challenges anybody could ever take on. Um, yep. you know, if we wanted an easy job, we'd be selling ice cream and you're literally selling the opposite. Yes, um, exactly. So, you know, and, uh, so, so that's really impressive and something to be proud of. Um, if you were to attribute that growth to one thing, and I know that's tough, but if you were to attribute to one thing, what would it be? Um, I'd have to zoom out to attribute it to one thing, but I, I, I really think it's, we have an amazing team, you know, that, that has developed, uh, just a, a world-class organization across the board. So if I, if I had to do one thing, it would be that I'm, I'm really good at hiring the right people. Um, you know, there's all the cliche phrases like hire people smarter than you and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it, it's, it's really about, uh, getting the right people in the organization. And then for me, just from what I experienced when I was an employee before I was a CEO, uh, really giving everybody on the team uh, some skin in the game. So we've got an employee stock option program. So everybody at Trifecta is a, is a shareholder, uh, which, which I think motivates people in a significant way. And then we're also very transparent. Everybody in the organization knows, you know, what our gross sales are, what our EBITDA is, how many subscribers we have actively, you know, all the kind of key KPIs of the organization and how their particular role rolls up into those, those key KPIs. And it, it means we've got everybody in the boat rowing in the same direction as fast as possible. And that's what's really led to us having this phenomenal growth rate over over the last, you know, over five years at this point. So, um, so yeah, the one thing I would say is, is, you know, definitely hiring the, you know, the right people. There's a lot of tactical stuff we've done right as well. Uh, but I'm just one guy, you know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, it's such a huge business. You must be a genius. I'm, I'm just a, a regular guy that uh, has read a lot of books and knows a lot of stuff. Uh, and because of that, I'm able to at, try and add a lot of value to my team from a, you know, servant leadership standpoint where I'm, you know, trying to help them succeed because they're the ones taking care of America. You know, that my, my services team is one having tens of thousands of phone calls with Amer average everyday Americans, uh, helping them hit their, their goals so they can look, you know, a little more like you with their shirt off. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> the, you know, I normally save these type of questions for closer to the end, but since you mentioned, uh, books, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, mm -hmm. what is your number one favorite business book? I know that you've read thousands at this point, but, um, oh, yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely a hard one. I I've got favorites in each kind of category for, for entrepreneurs, especially people getting started. I tend to recommend uh, growth mindset by Carol DeWick. Um, she is a PhD out of Stanford. I believe she still teaches there. Uh, but really the book is about understanding that your IQ is variable. Like when, when kids go through school, they're like, oh, I'm either a smart kid, a medium kid, or a dumb kid. And IQ was developed in France to track kids' improvement in intelligence over time. So the more you read, and learn and study, you literally can increase your IQ. You know, it's the old Einstein joke that he's like, hey, I'm not a genius. I just spent more time with the problems than anybody else. Uh, so I, I think the book that had books like that probably had the biggest impact on my life because they were the ones that opened my mind to having a growth mindset and going, okay, I need to read as many books as I possibly can spend as much time with, you know, CEOs like yourself 
uh, people that can add value to, to my knowledge and understanding of the world. Uh, and, you know, you can learn something from everybody. You know, that's the old Richard Branson mindset. Yeah, I could... I can learn from investment bankers at Goldman Sachs who are doing multi-billion dollar deals. I can also learn something from the homeless guy on the corner three blocks away from my building. You know, it's it's uh, having that open mind and growth mindset that for people that are just getting into reading or, you know, maybe think they know a lot, like you got to keep maintaining a growth mindset because once you learn a lot of shit, sometimes you start, you know, believing your own, uh, myth <laughs> and that can be dangerous as well you got to stay stay humble and maintain a growth mindset especially after you've seen success Absolutely. Uh, you know that's that's when you you can be the most dangerous is you you know you've got money now you've got power and influence you know you've got to make sure you're still open to feedback and and uh you know remain humble right they say success is the greatest enemy of future success yeah it, um, it really is the I've got a friend um, who's extremely successful and him and I talked a lot about reading books and he mentioned, uh, and this kind of changed the way that I look at setting goals around reading books each year. He reads the, like the same top, I don't know, 10 books like every year. And I thought that was really interesting because I've always mm -hmm. taken this approach to reading, you know, uh, 10, 10 to 30 new books a year. Um, and so this year I've made this like mix of like identifying, you know, five or six of my favorite books that I've ever read and like adding those to my list this year. And then of mm -hmm. course having 10 or 15 new ones. What do you do? Are you like, a, I'm a new book guy that way you can check it off the list. Cause that's the way I've always been. Um, um, I'm, it's a great question. I'm probably 80, 20, uh, you know, new old and, and I completely agree. It's, uh, the more information you absorb, it changes your perspective on the entire world. Like right now, Trifecta is going through, uh, you know, final stages of a private equity raise. And then from there, like the next threshold is going to be listing on the NASDAQ. So I've talked to a lot of SPACs and investment banks and, you know, various people to understand, okay, what do I need to know and be prepared for to run a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ? Uh, I've met with CEO buddies of mine running publicly traded companies. Um, you know, having that kind of, level of business intelligence is like new. But at the same time, now that I've acquired all that information, when I go back and read some of those books I read two, three, five, ten years ago, sometimes I'm reading them with a totally different perspective. And that leads to me getting completely different nuggets out of out of those particular books. So so I think your friend's a, a smart guy or girl and and onto something. And I, I think it is worth revisiting some books. Uh, you know, on occasion. And obviously you'll, you'll end up with favorite ones after reading them the, the first time. So going back and revisiting can, can be amazing as well. I, I do the same with uh, biographies too. So I love like the big hitter biographies, like, you know, Mandela, MLK, MLK um, Churchill. Uh, I'm, I'm rereading the Andrew Roberts Churchill right now. Like, holy shit, is that a tomb? Uh, you know, 850 pages or something yeah. like like those type of mega biographies on these guys and girls who have literally fundamentally changed the world. Um, you know, you, you pick up whole new sets of nuggets 10 years later because you're just a fundamentally different person than you yeah. than you were 10 years ago. And it it also puts your life in perspective. I mean, I, I could go on a diatribe about it, but, you know, I feel like my life is is very hard in a lot of ways. I work 80 to 100 hour weeks, a lot of weeks, and I've got a newborn baby and all kinds of different stuff. But then you're reading Churchill and the dude fought in like five major theater wars as a volunteer by the time he was like 24. He literally fought in World War One and World War II. <laughs> like, like, you know, the stuff I'm dealing with, I'm sitting up here in like the White Tower in a skyscraper, you know, drinking my my coffee, you know, typing on a laptop and doing podcasts. You yeah. know, you really, you read something like Churchill or Mandela and you're like, wow, you know, it really puts your life in perspective that you can do a lot more than you think you can. Yeah. You're like, my work is a little bit different than their work. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Any, uh, any Walter Isaacson? Oh yeah. Yeah. Love Walter Isaacson. Yep. 
yeah, the I've read Jobs, Da Vinci. Um, I recently got, I forget the name of it, one of his new ones that's about uh, the human genome stuff. But but yeah, incredible author, one of, one of my favorites, absolutely. I usually just buy his new book just because it's him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's that good at, at uh, encapsulating some of these these great historical figures and stories. If you're into thousand page books, you got to get, um, I think it's like the history of innovators or something like that. Something in. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've dug into that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great, um, great book. Blow your mind, but yep. uh, let's reel in the nerd stuff for a second and go back to some. <laughs> um, Trifecta has some really cool partnerships. We mentioned it earlier, PGA tour, team USA, weightlifting, CrossFit games, Mr. Olympia, mm-hmm. uh, in the yeah, UFC. I've got my big my big CrossFit uh, games, you know, yeah, affect yeah. a partnership up here. Yeah, that's so cool. And I'm not going to ask you which is your favorite partnership, but I am going to ask you what's your favorite sport. I see on your Instagram a lot of the MMA guys, but that might just be chance. You know what I mean? So, is there one particular sport you're more into? Um, candidly, not really. I, I feel like, you know, sports are like kids. You kind of love them all the same in some ways. Um, in terms of fitness, I I'm, I probably do the most CrossFit type stuff. Uh, I, you know, went to CrossFit gyms for years, uh, you, you know, when I lived in Los Angeles in the early to mid 2010s. Um, but you know, now I've got a full rogue rig and, you know, dumbbell set and all of that in my house. I'm, I'm kind of spoiled on the gym front. Um, but I largely still do, you know, classic CrossFit style workouts. Uh, I did a fair bit of jujitsu when I was younger. Um, I had an older brother who was very good at jujitsu and used to whip my ass with it. Uh, so, you know, big into the MMA stuff as well. I, I love the kind of chess match aspect of it. Uh, and, uh, I obviously host the Cali cast and I'm good buddies with, with Uriah Faber, who's, you know, UFC hall of famer, um, and having been so involved in the UFC, uh, really have a huge appreciation of that sport and everything they do, uh, right now, uh, golfing is probably the thing I'm, I'm most into. Uh, I love, you know, charity golf tournaments and just getting out there and, you know, cracking open a Corona and walking around and hitting some balls. Yeah. You're, you're outside. It's fun. You're just chatting it up with friends. It's, it's a really, really enjoyable sport. Um, I, I do love, uh, Olympic weightlifting. I'm nowhere near as good as the guys that are on the platform, but I can get a, you know, a solid clean and jerk or a, you know, a snatch or, you know, whatever it is in there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that would probably be my, my order of, uh, sports in terms of personal activities, but they, they all have incredible levels of skill. And you've seen just this increase in the skill level across all the sports, especially over the last 10 to 15 years. You know, one of this, the stats I quote is the PGA tour in 1990, you know, when people like you and I probably first started watching it, average age of a PGA tour champion was 56. Fast forward to today. Uh, it's 24. I mean, you have these guys like Brooks Kefka, you know, walking around and they're just like jacked and shredded, 25 year olds, you know, type thing that can drive the ball 400 yards. It's a totally different game than it was, you know, back in the day. Um, and, and same with mixed martial arts. I remember, you know, I watched UFC one and, you know, back then it used to be like a kickboxer versus a wrestler. I mean, they were like domain specific and now it's all mixed martial arts. You got to be good at wrestling, jujitsu, Muay Thai, karate, like you got to be good at everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's incredible the level of skill that, that those guys and girls are at. And that's, that's led to them being, uh, you know, unisex sports as well. You know, like the women in MMA or CrossFit, uh, you know, I had video call with Tia Toomey the other day and she could probably beat me at every single workout. I, mean, I would it's, not doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Like they're incredible athletes. So I, I love seeing that across the board as well. Like women getting their, their due when it comes to uh, sports across the board. Yeah. I was uh, reading a, an article from Tommy Marquez today and it was sort of like the comparison of 2009 uh, last chance qualifier to the last chance qualifier this year. And it's just a dramatic uh, shift and change and progression really. Um, speaking of CrossFit, Who's your, if you're picking top three, who are they male? And then give me some female. Oh man. I, I grew up in the, the rich Froning era and, and we also sponsor rich Froning. Love the dude. Uh, he'd probably still be my number one. He, he just had an ability to like 
mentally go to another place. Uh, you know, he was, he was a, a religious dude. So maybe he's like walking with Jesus in his mind or something, <laughs> but he was just a machine. I, I just love to, to watch him compete. Um, so Rich would probably be my number one. Um, and, you know, along with that, uh, Annie Thor's daughter, you know, she was kind of same era when I was really in, in, uh, hardcore and into CrossFit, uh, you know, absolutely phenomenal athlete has competed for, like 12 or 13 years straight. So I, I love seeing that longevity, uh, in athletes. Uh, and then, you know, it's undeniable that Matt Frazier, you know, love that guy as well. Uh, he's, he had a level of dominance, you know, after the rich era that was, was just incredible to watch. So, you know, big, big fan of Matt's as well. So we've talked about it, or you've mentioned it a few times. Um, you're a, a new father, four months in congratulations on the baby. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I love the name crew very unique. And I, I read about the, the background of it and I love that stuff. I love meaning and uh, origination and all that stuff. Um, how is it running a massively rapidly growing company um, and being a new dad? What's changed for you? Um, I mean, it, I will not lie that it is hard because I, I work hard during the day, uh, oftentimes seven days a week until, you know, sometimes I'm still sending emails at 11 PM, you know, type thing. And you mix in a kid with that and it like messes with your sleep. Uh, I don't know if you have any kids, but it is uh, um, brace yourself for impact <laughs> when you have one. It is in life. It is easily the number one, you know, night and day change in, in your life for sure. But I love the little guy. It's it's amazing to see how fast kids develop and learn. I mean, he's he's only he's not even four months yet. He's almost four months in you know, I'm like reading little books to him and you can see he's like, you know, he has no idea what he's, <laughs> he's reading, but he's like concentrated and focused on, you know, those first 100 words, you know, type thing. So it's, it's awesome to see him develop. And, you know, you just, uh, you love him so much that, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and feeding him for an hour or changing diapers and all of that, uh, you know, ultimately doesn't, uh, doesn't end up having as big of effect on you as, as you thought, but, um, you know, I've got an incredible wife who's done a phenomenal job, uh, you know, helping take care of him. And, uh, it is, it is a big, big change though. I tell people wait, wait as long as you can. I'm, I'm, I turned 38 in a few weeks and, uh, uh, I would recommend trying to wait until your mid thirties <laughs> for most people. Cause it is, it is a lot uh, to, to have a kid. It is a major, major life undertaking, especially if you're a, a CEO going through a fundraise. Um, you know, I was wondering if, if it's possible to die from exhaustion every once in a while. <laughs> uh, it is, but you're probably a little bit stronger than that. So. <laughs> um, but that's awesome, man. Congratulations again. And I'm sure that you've learned how to adapt. And uh, I think one of the ways that high high performers and high level leaders adapt is with routine. Do you have a morning routine or a, anything like that? If so, what does it look like? I, I do uh, love routines. I, I wake up, uh, usually change the baby. Uh, my wife starts feeding him in that, at that point. And then it's like, boom, coffee. Uh, we have two cats. So I'll feed the cats. And then I hit my morning workout. I have to hit my workout like every morning, every single day. I work out literally seven days a week. Um, and that's, that's just part of my routine. Cause it like sets the tone for the day. If you, if you miss your workout, then you're like, oh, I'm gonna have to work out after work. And, you know, maybe you end up working late or whatever, and then it gets pushed to the side. I, I really try and keep that as one of my priorities. Then I, I drink my own Kool-Aid. So I have a trifecta breakfast, um, and then, you know, head off to work and get my, my second or third cup of coffee going as I, as I dive into meetings. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely a, a big routine person. And, um, that's, that's one of the things that I think helps humans thrive is having that consistency is once you like the human mind really drives off expectations. So if I expect I'm going to eat meal prep or I expect I'm going to work out every morning it's just me going through the motions. If I'm like, hey, am I going to work out today or not? More often than not, it's going to end up being not because you're going to say, you're going to justify it to yourself. You're going to go, oh, the kid didn't sleep or I had a hard day or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm, I really believe in setting good expectations with other people, but psychologically, 
more importantly, setting good expectations with yourself. You know, you're not going to live a perfect life right off the bat, but start incrementally adding uh, more expectations, you know, on yourself and you'll just literally watch yourself improve over time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a lot like, you know, we could um, use an analogy of the gym, right? When you first go, you're not going to bench 400 pounds. You got to start with a hundred, but then you add, you get used to it and you add on more, you get used to it and you add on more, right? Someone's trying to add, you know, start with a new morning routine. Like they don't need to wake up, feed the baby, work out, you know what I mean? It's like, well, if they have a baby, they need to do that either way. But (laughs) it's like, add one thing, get used to it. Add another thing, get used to it, right? It's like specific adaptations to the imposed demands. Um, The, you know, trifecta has gone from 2015 doing 250K to now um, on track for uh, over 100 million um, or much more than that possibly. Who would you say that your greatest competitors are now? Because I imagine they're a lot different than they were five, six years ago. Sure. So yeah, five, six years ago when people were first getting into the space, there was a lot of kind of, you know, small and mid-market players. And now the the market is kind of separated. The mid-market's been wiped out. There's a few major players like Trifecta and then like 10,000 plus, you know, mom and pop hyper regional players that are like your buddy, Steve, that meal preps for like 40 people, you know, yeah. type thing. So for us, you know, major competitors are people like uh, Freshly, who just got acquired by Nestle for $1.5 billion. Uh, they're about four times our size, uh, but they, do, you know, they're, they're more selling the convenience component than the health component. Um, there's Factor 75. They just got acquired by HelloFresh for about $300 million. Uh, HelloFresh is definitely the 200-pound gorilla in the meal kit space. Um and then, you know, above and beyond that, there's kind of offshoot ones like uh, Daily Harvest does like frozen stuff. You know, Sun Basket has started doing some, you know, uh, more traditional meal prep. But in our space, which is kind of the the health and fitness space, we we really dominate that ecosystem across the board. Um, and we're also the, you know, the premium offering in the space. So, you know, we've got keto and paleo. We were the first to market with Beyond Meat for for vegan and vegetarian people. We, we try and have incredibly high quality, cook from scratch, macro balanced, uh, you know, fresh meals. So, um, you know, I joke that we're like the Tesla or the Ferrari of the, you know, the meal prep space. Um, and that's coming from, you know, you seem like a guy that's done a lot of meal prep in your life for years. I was doing like the, the chicken and broccoli on Sunday and by Wednesday or Thursday, you're just choking it down. Uh, you know, we wanted to eliminate that for Americans. You know, I'm excited to eat trifecta meals and I've been eating them for six years straight. Uh, and that's cause we've got, you know, pesto pastas and chicken Alfredo and, you know, blah, blah, all that stuff. And it's, you know, the pasta is made with like chickpeas or red lentils. So it's, you know, protein pasta. We've like hacked healthy eating. So it tastes like you're eating a cheat meal at Cheesecake Factory or something, but in actuality, it's 400 calories and it's almost all protein and you're going to get jacked and shredded. So, you know, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's the, the main goal is Americans want tasty food and, uh, you know, we want to be able to provide that. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of setting ourselves apart from the competitive landscape from that standpoint, but there's really only a few big, uh, major players left in, in our space. And we talked a little bit before we started recording about a, uh, a project you guys are working on that I think is about four months out. Um, mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So we want to become like the Peloton of nutrition. So we are uh, getting, we've already got the app, which is also called Trifecta. Obviously it's, it's one of the top apps in, you know, iOS and Android stores for health and fitness. It's got a 7 million food item, food database, you know, 1700 workouts. Uh, You can, you can track everything you're eating and doing exercise wise. Uh, But more importantly, it gives you a, a, plan to follow. So that's what you and I were talking about is, is most people go into nutrition without a plan. They're like, Oh, I'm just going to eat healthier. Oh, I'll just start counting my macros. Like you're way better off. If you're like, this is exactly what I'm going to do for the next 12 weeks. Because again, going back to my expectations comment, you've now set 
expectations in your mind that you're going to follow this specific program over the next 12 weeks. So we're about to release on the back end of the website a lot of that functionality where you can do live workouts with our celebrity athletes, uh, you know, similar to Peloton, or maybe you're following Uriah Faber's diet program or, you know, uh, Jana Breslin or, you know, Brian Shaw, who was just here last week, the world's strongest man. Maybe you want to get stronger and more jacked. You know what? Brian Shaw eats six pounds of meat every day. You should probably eat more, more protein if you want to be as big as Brian Shaw, like really, really giving people the plan to follow and utilizing our relationships with all these celebrities and celebrity athletes to get everybody on board with following a more structured nutrition program like that. Cause nutrition is kind of still the wild west. There's a lot going on in fitness, but you know, there's tons and tons of gyms. There aren't a lot of like on-site nutrition support services. You know, for the most part, people are just watching Instagram and reading blog articles and we'd love to give them a more structured program to follow, uh, you know, along with providing them with the food. That's really exciting stuff. Um, and you said that's about four months out from launching. Yeah, it's 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 probably four months for us get to go into closed beta, and then from there, you know, it'll it'll be another month or two for us to work out all the bugs, et cetera. But we're we're really trying to get it live this year, and and yeah, it will be a huge amount of new features for for you know trifecta users to be able to track everything all in one place, look at their weight loss or muscle gain or whatever it is over time. Uh, a lot of really cool functionality to, again, support our mission, which is is helping get America back into shape. Um, Greg, do you, in your, in your 20-year entrepreneurial journey, uh, do you have a favorite failure or at least a failure that taught you the most, maybe? Oh, yeah. That, the one I was holding up a second ago, Amara. <laughs> um, I, I definitely... I plowed a huge amount of money and time into the drink company. And one of the things I learned that most people, when they're making a hard good, do not realize uh, is, is this concept of inventory carrying cost. So the more stores I got into, I'll give you another book for people to read, uh, Raising Venture Capital for the Serious Entrepreneur. Uh, great, great book that talks about how much capital you need to scale a, a product business amongst any other type of business. Uh, they also go through like, you know, venture capital terms, private equity terms, et cetera, a lot of value in that book. But I really understood, didn't understand because I was coming from the software space that the bigger the drink company got, the more inventory I was going to have to hold to, to distribute into all these distributors and retailers like BevMo, Whole Foods, you know, all these, these retail chains we were getting into. So the bigger we got, the more money worth of inventory we were just sitting on. Uh, and it got to the point where it was like hundreds of thousands and then millions of dollars worth of inventory. Uh, and I would have to produce the drink, which we were producing with 7-Up Bottling at the time. They had like the raw fruit production capability that we needed. Um, I'd pay them in advance. Then I would distribute into UNFI or any of these other distributors. I would get paid like net 45 to net 60. And then from there, it was like, you know, they were getting paid from Whole Foods net 30 to net 45. So I was usually waiting like 90 to 120 days to get the money. And, you know, the bigger you get, the bigger that like inventory float becomes. And boy, did I learn a lot of lessons about, you know, cash flow and, and all kinds of other things. And that's really what led to Trifecta is we, we said, okay, how can we deliver short-term cash flow and utilize our relationship with the paleo diet? Because in 2015, paleo diet was the most popular diet in the world at the time. And we had an, a multi-year exclusive with them. Um, so we said, okay, let's, let's try getting into food. It'll be a credit card business, direct consumer on a weekly basis. And Trifecta just took off. So we said, okay, let's close the drink company and focus full time on the food because we can have a bigger impact on people's diets right. anyway if we're providing them with all the food as opposed to just trying to kill Gatorade and Coca-Cola. Um so yeah that that was like huge entrepreneur lesson for me that I apparently did not learn in business school was understanding inventory carrying costs. And for a lot of entrepreneurs as they think about hey I'm gonna make this widget 
and sell it into the market. And they, they, they're like, oh, I've got 30 grand and I'm going to spend 25 grand on it doing a production run of this widget. You're probably, you know, pardon my French, effed you know, <laughs> if, if you do that, because, uh, you know, ultimately you're, you're in a situation where you have no money to spend on personnel and marketing and all the other stuff it's, it's going to take to get the business to go. Right. In your opinion, Greg, what do you think makes uh, a good leader? So if you were to identify one to three character traits, what would they be? Um, definitely staying humble. Um, that That is an absolutely critical one, especially like you said, as you see success. Uh, I really believe in the, the general concept of servant leadership. If you empower your team and focus on making them the most successful, you'll end up being the most successful. They'll love you as a, a leader and a CEO because they're successful in their roles and the organization will thrive. Um, having a growth mindset, like I mentioned with Carol DeWick is definitely the second one. Um, that management wise means being open to feedback. People are going to sit down with you and be like, hey, you said this thing or did this thing or sent this email or Slack message or whatever that was rub me the wrong way or sucked or, you know, miscommunicated or whatever it is. And you got to be open to that feedback without getting defensive and saying, oh, no, this was the reason why, you know, say, okay, maybe I can change my perspective on that, uh, you know, et cetera. Uh, and then the third, I, I would really say is it truly is work ethic. Um, it's part of the reason I love the health and fitness ecosystem so much. Uh, if you can, you know, pick up a dumbbell and, you know, lift weights for years and years and years on end to build a little muscle or lose a little weight, uh, it's really going to lead to you having a strong work ethic, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to your career. There are, uh, I have worked very hard for many, many years on end, uh, and that's truly been a huge key to my success. You know, I, I, I take the same mentality as, as the rock, you know, be the hardest worker in the room. Uh, I tell people like metaphorically, um, you know, if we're an army, I love army metaphors. If we're an army going into war, I'm the guy with the flag at the front of the of the the line running over the hill in the battle in front of everybody. You know, I'm I'm for sure going to be leading from the front as opposed to trying to manage from from the back. Um, and I I really think in a lot of ways that that uh, has to do with work ethic and and you know what you're showing your team. If if your team's in the office working 60, 70 hours a week and you know, you're laying on the beach in, in, you know, Bali or Ibiza or whatever it is, they're going to see that on Instagram, you know, <laughs> like that, that's going to build resentment. You, you gotta, you know, do what you expect your team to do. So I think the, there's a lot of qualities when it comes to leadership, but those are like three of my core qualities that I always try and improve and, and uh, focus on myself. If, uh, so I've got just a couple of rapid fire questions I like to ask towards the end of the episode. Sure. Um, this first one, might, you know, come from left field, but, uh, what advice do you think your 10 year older self would tell you today? Uh, prioritize, uh, more time for family. Uh, I'm, I'm really working on that right now. Uh, I've, I've didn't take any paternity leave cause we were in the middle of fundraising for the growth equity round. And I've started taking, uh, every Wednesday off, uh, for a while. So I can just spend some time with my son cause he's growing so incredibly quickly. And of course my wife. Um, so definitely spend more family time and it's, it's not about needs. It's about how you prioritize your time. So I'm, literally positive my 10 year older self would give me that advice right now <laughs> that's great no it's quick it sounds like you've been thinking about that yep um what's the best purchase you've made for under 100 bucks in the last three or so months best purchase for under 100 um a, a really fast mouse for my home office i i have a i'm a pc guy everybody and their mother at our company uses max I've got a razor mouse that, uh, you know, I am incredibly productive when I am on the laptop. Uh, people underestimate having like an actual physical mouse. <laughs> Everybody uses the track pads and I'm like, oh, I will smoke you any day. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, man, if you could put anything uh, on a big blank billboard above the busiest intersection that you can think of, what would that billboard say? Oh man, these are good rapid fire questions. Uh, big blank billboard. Um, 
probably be some some sort of JFK style quote, like, you know, ask not what you can do for your, your what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I mean, I, I take that perspective on humankind. I, I feel like our generation has been has had a lot of like wants and um you know, I hate to use this this word, but uh, entitlement with a lot of things. Um, and I'm a hundred percent believer in like give before you receive. Like, if you work hard to help a lot of people, it will come back to you a hundred percent. And and I think some of the great leaders of the past, like like JFK, really you know really had that mindset and tried to lead from the front. To my previous comments, with that mindset, so I'd probably use that JFK quote. Love it. Um, Greg, thanks again for being on today's episode, man. Uh, if people want to find out any more about you or your company, what's the best resource? Um, you can just Google trifecta, you know, we're, we're number one on Google, uh, you know, for the brand websites, trifecta nutrition.com, uh, Instagram's at trifecta. And then myself, I don't post as much on Instagram as I used to, but, uh, you know, at Greg Connolly. Uh, with an underscore, you know, I, I usually talk about business or, you know, what I've got going on with my family, celebrities, et cetera. Um, you know, those are going to be the easiest places to find me. And occasionally I write articles for like Entrepreneur Magazine and Inc. and, you know, stuff like that. Awesome. Greg, thanks again for being on the show. I'm sure the audience learned a ton. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, I have a couple asks of you. Number one, if you enjoy the Business and Leadership Podcast, I highly recommend you checking out the Sunday Six. Uh, The Sunday Six is a newsletter that I send out every Sunday with six interesting things that should take you about six minutes or less to check it out, unless you decide to go on one of the rabbit holes of the links that I include in the email. It's definitely worth checking out. And of course, if you don't enjoy it, you can always unsubscribe. You can check out the Sunday Six by uh, looking in the show notes. There's a link there or going to jaredgrabiel.com and subscribing. Additionally, of course, January 17th, I published my first book, The Self-Help Book. And if you enjoy the content in the Business and Leadership Podcast, you'll most likely enjoy the book. You can read it in under two hours. It's very applicable, extremely practical. You can pick up one chapter and apply it to your life, or you can read the whole thing. Um, The self-help book can be found at Amazon.com or anywhere online that books are sold. And last but not least, the self-help journal. Of course, if you enjoy the book, you'll love the journal. It's a practical way to apply some of the steps to your life. Um, Self-awareness is a huge tool in business and leadership and journaling. Whether you use mine or anybody else's is going to be the best step you can take towards gaining self-awareness. So I recommend checking that out. Just search the self-help journal, Jared Grabiel on Amazon.com. It's currently for sale for $9.99. And again, if you enjoy the show, please do two things. Refer it to a friend and leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks again. Much love and God bless.